Welcome to the Mastering the Mind podcast, where we take you through professional elite athletes and coaches' stories about how they cope with the psychological demands of competing at elite level. Today, we welcome Yannick Ferreira to the podcast. Yannick is a Belgium professional football manager and former player who was most recently in charge of Al Fateh FC in Saudi Arabia. In his early 20s, Yannick also enjoyed a brief career as a footballer and then transitioned to coaching. In 2004, Ferreira was appointed head coach of the Andalek youth team, which at the time included Romelu Lukaku and Adnan Yanazai. Yannick subsequently worked as an assistant coach at Ghent and Al-Shabaab before beginning his journey as a head coach. In 2013, Yannick led St. Truiden to promotion to the Belgian First Division and won the domestic cup whilst managing Standard in 2015 and 2016 season. Other teams Yannick's worked with include Ghent, Charleroi, KV Mechelen and Wesland Beveren. So let's welcome Yannick to the podcast. Hello. Hello, Yannick. How are you? How are you? Yeah, good, good. Not too bad. How about yourself? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. How's your how's your day then so far? Yeah, so far I, I'm not doing much to be honest uh, in this in this period. Um, it's at the beginning it's funny because you it's nice because you you're on vacation you can go wherever you want, but after a few weeks you start to to think well now it's time to to get back on track. So mm-hmm. trying to find a new challenge and, uh, and and waiting for that. Where are you currently? Are you back in Belgium? Yeah, I'm back in Belgium at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Yep. How are you finding that being back here? I guess the weather's not too bad at the moment. So compared no, to now, now it's great. Uh, I've been to Spain last week and there it was really dramatic. A lot of rain and, yeah. and wind. Yeah. And, and here it's very nice at the moment. But when it will start to rain again here, I will, I will probably go. So yeah, typical, typical. Yeah. I've been speaking yeah. loads about, you know, going to Spain on holiday. And now England's like, it's so sunny here and I'm a bit sunburned yeah. from uh, from from being out all day. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. god! But anyway, um, a great place we like to start with our sort of uh, podcast guests and the listeners to get to know you a bit better. Is you know, talk mm-hmm. us through your journey today. So give us a bit of an overview of who is Yannick Ferreira. Oh, so who am I? I I I used to play football when I was young and. I had big dreams like every kid. And when I was 22, I realized that I would not play the World Cup, that I would not play for the Red Devils. Uh, and, and that it was better maybe to stop and to do, to do something else. I, I was always, I've always been a leader as, as a player at my level. Um, and so, and so I, I thought, yeah, I, I find it nice to, and I, I can feel, I could feel that I could uh, make the kids progressing a lot and quick. And so I started to, to teach, to, to coach young, young kids, 12 years old. Uh, I passed all the, all the degrees I had, had to pass. Uh, I coached the youth of Anderlecht, which is a, a huge Belgian team, uh, for six years. Uh, many players who play or who used to play in, in the Premier League. I mean, I had them when they were kids, like uh, the brothers Lukaku, uh, Tielemans, uh, Januzaj, uh, Dundonker. Uh, so all those guys, I, I I coached them when they were when they were young, and then uh, I've been I've been a video analyst for for two years. So I left the the youth uh, academy of Anderlecht, and I was for for two years uh, video analyst. One year in Ghent, which is also a pro league team here in Belgium, and then one year uh, I was in the staff of Michel Prudhomme, former uh, top goalkeeper, uh, 
former top coach also. And I, I went with him to, to Saudi Arabia. We spent one year there. So I was in the, in the staff, video analyst, uh, also active on the pitch every day. Uh, and after that, I had the opportunity when I was 31 to, to start uh, my head coaching career uh, in the Pro League in Belgium. So the, the president at the time of, of Charleroi was uh, Abbas Bayat. The guy was known to take crazy decisions. And when everyone went left, he went right, just, just because the other guys went, went left. So he, I had a few interviews with him, not only one, but three, two or three interviews with him. And he decided to, to, to give me a chance as a, as a head coach. So I started my career when I was 31. That was already 10 years ago. It was in 2012. And, um, and after Charleroi, uh, the team, I mean, we, we managed to avoid relegation. Then I left. I went to Sintreden, uh, was at the time in the second tier in, in Belgium. We missed the promotion in the first year, but we played champion the second year. So we promoted to, to, the, to the Pro League. And after a few matches in, in, in few matches in the pro league, we started very well. We beat Bruges, we beat Genk, and and after six matches, uh, Standard de Liège, which is a, a top team, which was a top three top team here, uh, hired me, and uh, and I went there. So to to a top club, I was 34 at the time. Uh, we won the Belgian FA Cup, which was a big achievement. Uh, after I got sacked the year after that, I went to KV Mechelen, another pro league team. Uh, we, did, we did some good things. We just avoided uh, the, the champion playoffs this year, uh, despite having a lot of points. We, we, we missed the playoffs. Uh, I got sacked the year after that, as it's always the case when the results are a bit bad. People forget what you, what you have done in the past. Um, then I spent a few months here at home waiting for a new challenge. And uh, I found a new one again in the Pro League in Westland Beveren in Belgium. So that was my fifth club. I was 38 at the time. So it's already, it's many clubs already at 38 only. Um, there, it was not a good match. I mean, I didn't feel myself there. They didn't find me uh, matching with the club. And so after five months, the, the adventure stopped. Uh, I got sacked again. And uh, I've been 11 months at home before the president of Al Fatah in Saudi Arabia. Uh, direct messaged me on, on, on Instagram and, and on Twitter uh, asking me if I could send him my phone numbers because, because he wanted to talk. So it was on a Sunday. We started to talk on the Sunday. The Wednesday we had a, uh, an agreement and on the Saturday I was on the, on the plane in direction of, of, of Saudi Arabia. So, um, and I spent two years and three, and three months there. Uh, we had great great moments, uh, great emotions, uh, great adventure, I must say. Um, and, uh, and now I'm back here since January and, uh, and yeah, we'll see what, what will happen in the next few, few weeks and months. Now it's not really the period to get a new, a new club, you know, March, April, uh, I think mostly clubs don't, don't sack their coaches, uh, in this period, but May, June, they start to prepare the, the, the new season. So, Let's hope that in May it will it will uh, it will move again. Yeah, definitely. No, yeah, it's a fantastic journey you have. Um, one thing I was gonna ask, I was actually really curious about. So you mentioned that you've obviously had interviews with these clubs and key stakeholders. What's the kind of thing? Like, what kind of questions do they ask you? Like, what do they try to get out of you as a as a coach? Is it? I'm just curious to, to kind of know what that process to, is like. 
To be honest, so with Charleroi and with with uh, Sintroden and with Standard de Liège, I had interviews before getting the job. Mm-hmm. After that, in Mechelen, they gave me the job because I did a great job in Standard. In Beveren, they gave me the job because I did a great job in Standard and in Mechelen. So I didn't have an interview with Mechelen and with and with uh, and with um, Wasan Beveren. They just hired the name, actually. That's okay. not the way it should be, but that, 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 that was the case. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, it was not really an interview. It was more, um, I, I, start, I started to, to speak with the president. I asked, him, I asked him to give me some days, a few days, to watch all the games the team has, had played this season. The team had played six games and had only one point uh, out of six games. So I watched all the games. And, and after that, we spoke about what I thought the team lacked and what should be done in the future in order to, to avoid relegation, which, which was the, the objective at the time. Um, but my first interviews for, I mean, with Charleroi, uh, uh, Sintroen and Standard de Liège, I have a presentation on my, on, my, on my computer of my football philosophy. Like first, I speak mostly about my global approach, how do I approach a group, what is fundamental for me, and what is fundamental is the values for me. Like I, I start to, to, to speak about the clubs, about the club, about values. Like this is how, what I think important. Uh, if you guys don't find that this is the base and that, that, that this is important, I sh- we, let's shake hands and, we, and, we, and I always split here because we cannot work together if we don't share uh, the same vision in terms of this is how the coach should behave. This is how uh, the staff, the, the board and the players should behave. If we don't agree on that, I think we cannot go further. Mm-hmm. So um, I always start to speak about values. Then I speak about how uh, I see a training session, how I approach the players individually, collectively. Um, I, and then I speak about, about my visions uh, offensively. What are my principles defensively? What are my principles? And um, yeah, and I speak about the type of coach that I am. I mean, I used to be uh, what I call a reactive coach. Everything was done in function of the opponent. Now, since two years, I became an active coach. Like I have my principles and we try, no matter what, we go for it. Of course, we have to adapt some things. We have to adjust some things because in Saudi, I was not in a top five club. I was in a, in a like in a middle range club. So sometimes you have to adapt to the strengths of, of the opponent, but it's possible to adapt not losing your principles, not losing your your identity, and that's the type of coach I became. So I also spoke. I, I also speak about uh, who I am as a as a coach when I have an interview. Mm. I find that reactive, active thing quite interesting. I think with modern football, that's sort of changed now because um, obviously, from watching interviews, from being a Man United fan, um, you know. Fan uh, ex players talking about Sir Alex Ferguson, and he was quite reactive. You know, he change his style of play to how the opposition will play to nullify them and then ultimately get the win um, whereas now in modern day football the types of like Pep Klopp they've real got their style of play and mm-hmm. they don't really change that so they're quite active would you say they are quite active but also I mean when you are Guardiola when you are a club you can arrive in a club and say this is how we will play so I need this one this one this one out I need this one this one this one in and mostly it happens. There are maybe five coaches in the world like that. All the others, we have to adapt to what we have. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, I, I, when, I, when I started my, my journey in, in, in Wasland Beveren, 
It was my shortest journey, five, five months. I started to say, no matter who will be the opponent, we will go for it. It was impossible. We didn't have the players for it. We didn't have the mentality for it. And, 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 and it didn't work. So some clubs, I mean, it's difficult to change the culture of a club, to be honest. Like, you can, I mean, if Guardiola should sign tomorrow in Atletico Madrid, it wouldn't change the culture. I mean, you, you don't win against the culture. I think so. If the culture of Man United is to be more reactive and that brought a lot of success to the club, I think it's, I would not say impossible, but almost impossible to, to, to change this culture. And, and, um, and there is no good or bad. Like you see that uh, Man United had a lot of success in the past uh, playing this way. Atletico Madrid in the last 10 years, since that, uh, um, uh, Simeone arrived at the, as a, as a, as a, as a manager. They had a lot of success, despite the fact that uh, Barcelona and Madrid are the biggest club. But they had success in, in, in Europe. They won two Europe leagues, two two Spanish leagues, uh, one 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 Spanish FA Cup, Super Cups. So it, it, it it's not good or bad. It's just mm. a a choice. And then uh, you you express to the players with passion. Uh, what you what you desire, and then if they if it's in the culture of the club, and that the players are hired according to this culture, then it can be it can be it can be very good at the end. Yeah. In terms of that culture, from uh, obviously your time at uh, sorry for the pronunciation, but Saint Schweden. Um, <laughs> so you took them up to the pro league. So that yeah. really you're playing like obviously you're dominating teams and then you go yeah. obviously you had a good start but how did you find that transition between levels because obviously it's two different coaches I imagine yeah but honestly we, we had a very good team in the in the in the in the second tier already uh, we've been champion uh, it was a re- record of points uh, that we we that we gained this season nine points uh, ahead of the second um, and and when we started. I mean, there was one, uh, one changing, one changing moment, one big moment in the preseason of that season in the pro league. We we played against uh, Uspest. It was a team from Hungary. We played home, and uh, and it, we were two 0 down at at halftime. You know, we came from second division, and at at one point, at some point, we played against a, a pro league team from Hungary. They used to play in in the European Cups, and so it it, it was hard for the guys. And then. The, the, the words that I had at halftime was, look, now we, let's, let, let's go for the second half. Let's go out for the second half. If we finish the game losing 8-0, let's lo- lose with 8-0. But let's go for it. Let's try. Let's push them. Let's be more aggressive. We, we, the game finished 2-2. And I think that this moment, this second half, gave a lot of confidence to the players. One week later, we played the last uh, preseason game against Charlton. Actually, it was the same owner. Uh, um, Standard of Liège at the time. He used to be in Sintrodin. He was not in Sintrodin anymore when I was there, but he was a, the, the owner of Uspest, Charlton, uh, Standard of Liège. And we played against Charlton, which was like championship team at the time. A uh, very tough game before our first uh, league game against Bruges, which was the, the former champion. And uh, we, we hammered them 4 0. 4 0. We, we, we killed them. Mm-hmm. And only because we, we, we thought, let's go for it. We lose, we lose. And I had the same words before before the game against against Bruges. Guys, today, if we die, we die. We are in the pro league. Let's let's enjoy this. We went for it. We were one nil down at, at halftime. I had the same words, the same words at halftime. 
we've, we, we end up to, to win 2-1. Yes, we've been lucky. Yes, they missed a big chance. Yes, there was a penalty they didn't get. Yes, but still, I mean, the spirit was there. And we didn't feel a, a lot of change between second and, 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 and first division because of the spirit. Because, I mean, we, there were guys that were earning 3,000 euros a month gross. So they, they were just young and, 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 and hungry. And, and it worked. After that, I left. And after that, it was more difficult because when you have this mentality for a few matches, it's okay. But then after a few matches, the teams start to know you and then the, the enthusiasm goes a little bit down. And so the season was, was tough after first in Trudon. But we, when we, in those six matches, we didn't feel we, we just came from second division. We were like uh, ambitious, hungry. We were pressing every opponent. And we had some talented players who, which were sold later to, to bigger clubs. So we had a, we had a quality team. Mm-hmm. I feel like now's the kind of perfect time to ask this question, but what were the key elements do you feel were like the reason that you were able to win the, like the second, the second division? Like what do you feel was like the perfect formula to kind um, of be so successful? Actually, at, at, at the time we, we, we arrived so me, my assistant coach, my goalkeeper coach, and my uh, as a physical coach, we arrived with four people in, in mm-hmm. St. Trudon. And we, we, we had in our mind, we were so hungry and we dreamed about big success. And we were thinking, if we can achieve success here, then it can be a, a very nice and long story. So we said to the club, we have to hire players like us. Like we come here with big quality, big motivation, low money. That was, I mean, I, I will tell the numbers. I was earning as a professional manager in the second division, 2,500 euro a month gross. That was my salary in, in Sintraden. And so we needed, we needed players like us. So as hungry as we were, and we managed to do that. So we, didn't, we, we, we took some players that people thought, thought were finished, but we took them and we managed to, we, we managed to, to achieve good things. So... It was a bit, yeah, it was, uh, we, we, we didn't uh, hire players and we didn't play according to the book. It was mm-hmm. like outside, without outside of the box and, 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 uh, and, it, and, and it worked. Another thing that helped us in, in this promotion season was that we played home on, a, on an artificial grass pitch. Oh, yeah. And so when we played home, we had to be like a futsal team almost. Yeah. When we played away in the second division, there was no heating under the under the pitches, so sometimes it was like mud, like that. Yeah. And so you had to be a rugby team away and a futsal team almost home. And we managed to do that to do this transition pretty well. So it worked well. We had a big stadium, and I like big stadium. I think eight or no twelve thousand seats, which is not big, but like it was big for second division. So when the teams came came to us. They were like a bit impressed with the stadium, and that helped us to 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 gain some points, I would say. So all those elements put together, but but mostly the uh, big quality, big motivation, low money. Mostly this helped us to to build a good squad. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I was just gonna say it's so funny that pitch. Like every every team in in the league that really does not like struggles that, there. That yeah. yeah, because. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's a tricky place to to go to. Um, yeah. No, yeah, it's a. It's, it's really quicker. Like when we played home, we trained uh, the whole week before the match on this pitch. 
we we also put a lot of water for each training a lot of water for the game and so we were used to the speed of the ball mm-hmm. but you can easily miss a control when you're when you're not used to that to, to, to that to that speed so mm-hmm. most of the teams they they, they they trained on a dry pitch um and we trained on, on a very quick pitch every time so it helped us a lot at yeah. home yeah. When, when, I, when I was working at Genk, they, um, we actually went a couple of days before the, the derby and uh, to, for the players to get used to the pitch because it's so different. And uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's, uh, and also, I think in their legs as well, they could feel it, you know, because it's a bit of a harder surface so, than the grass. I think yeah, a lot yeah. of players struggle with that as well. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Our players, our players were, were pretty used to it because, as, as I said, we trained a full week before the match against uh, on, on, on such a pitch. So yeah. our players were, were used to it, but it's true even with our players, sometimes we, we, we decided, okay, we play home uh, next Saturday, but let's train the two, three first sessions of the week uh, on the grass, on our grass pitch, on our, in, on our training ground. Mm. And, and let's train only one or two, once or twice on the, the artificial grass because the, some players complain about injuries and hard pitch. So it's true that it, uh, it it was not not always easy, but at least we always had a place to train, even when it was very really rainy, and yeah. that helped us to to keep the rhythm, which was not the case of of, of all the teams at the time. Mm-hmm. What were some of the uh, key lessons you learned from that season um, that helped you in your coaching career going forward? Um, that if everyone goes into the same direction, you don't need to have the best players or the best facilities or no. If everyone goes in into the same direction, then you have a big chance to, to big chance to, to achieve success. Mm, yeah. Just going back a bit, so we briefly kind of touched upon your philosophy and your values. Could you kind of maybe expand on that? Like, tell us what these are. Um, we're curious in that. Um, first, I, I, I would say a lot of words, but it's, 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 it's something that um, I must show every day and that my staff must show every day. It's... Uh, respect determination going beyond your limits leadership uh, communicate okay communication is not a value but that's in in the in the key points that we have um uh, never giving up attitude team spirit uh, all those stuff and when i say respect it touches a lot of things uh when i say respect it's not like um you know in in french we have a polite way to speak like we have tu and and vous to say you Vu is the polite uh, way. I mean, I always told my players, respect is not you telling me vu, which is a polite way. Respect is you giving your best during the training session that I spent time to prepare. That's the respect I, I, I demand from you. And, and so uh, respect is so big. When you start with respect, with this value, you have already a lot. Like respect the, the respecting the time, coming on time when there is a meeting, when there is a training. Uh, respecting your teammates, respecting respecting the referee, respecting the fans. So it's only a word that everyone uses, but it has to be translated in everyday's uh, behavior and 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 and, and facts. Um, and that's what I always ask, ask my my uh, my staff. Uh, it's accept. Also, one of the values is acceptance. Accepting that we are all different, that we all have a different background. Uh, accepting that 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 some people they will maybe maybe come late and for them it's not so it's not such a big deal. Some people they will arrive on training maybe a bit tired because they had a, they had a kid screaming all night. Uh, or, so we have to accept and understand each other. So these are all the core values that we that that we have. And once again, that's something I 
I, I don't negotiate. You know, you know, you can negotiate on on many things, but when I when I have a, a an interview, a job interview, this is something. I mean, people feel I'm ser- serious about it because I said, look, you can have the values that you want. These are my values, and I think that if we don't share those values, we we cannot work together. And I'm I swear I tell that even when I I really want the job, mm. because I think that without that I cannot we cannot create a, a an environment of excellence. And that's what I want. You know, I mean, some coaches or many coaches in the world, because you have uh, good and bad coaches, good and bad people. Some coaches that just want to sign somewhere to have a job and then they don't care. And how many players are we today? Okay, 18. Let's play 9v9. Some coaches are like that. Let's be honest. I don't see it this way. I don't think that you can win this way. So I have some, uh, I have some values. I mean, I speak about respect. I have to respect the people who pay me. So therefore, I I, I I I do my best. I'm not the best coach of the world. I make mistakes. I make wrong choices. Sometimes I speak to a player in a certain way. I should have spoken to him in another way. Same for same for the board. But I it, it, I, I myself I'm 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 a true person, and I will always always be that. How do you find it? Have you ever had this during your coaching career where a player might go against your sort of values and, and not show that respect? How do you handle a situation like that? Yeah, but that, that happened a lot. First of all, I want to say it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't happen if before a player signs in the club, if the club tells the player, look, we really want you. We would be so happy if you sign. But if you sign with us, look, these are our values. This is how we are. You are not bigger than those values. If this is clear before the player signs, most of the time you don't have any discipline problem. But we know how it works. It doesn't happen. Some mm-hmm. some clubs they have to pray so, so, so that so that players sign, and they they have to sell their soul to the devil sometimes to 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 so that the, so that the player signs, and that's that's not good. And in that case, uh, problems happen. But that happened that happened a few times um, in my first season in Charleroi. You know, I started zero experience as a head coach with professional players. 31 years old. Some players were older than me, and and I had some some players who were like, uh, "Yeah, no, I don't want to do that." Okay. And then I sent some players away from the training, and then what helped me at the time that happened the first time it happened, it happened with the with the best player of the of, of the team. The training before the match, I had to I had to sell to to, to send him away from the pitch, and uh, and he was shouting. I didn't take him in the in the squad for the game for the for, for, for the day after in the for, for, for the game and the press conference after the training day before the game why is this player not in the list uh, because I, I I think that at the moment he's not men- mentally ready to come uh, to, to to play with us yeah but what's the problem tell us it was like one hour of press conference only about this player and I, I didn't tell them what it was about I just told them look at the moment he's not ready. We won the game the, the, the game the day after. We were like, it was 0-0, zero, zero. We one, one man down. And 15 minutes before the match, before the end of the match, we scored and we won 0-1. And that gave me power. That gave me strength in the, in the dressing room, you know, because we put the, 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 the top player out of the, of the squad and we win that match. So I, j- j- just, just to say, I was faithful to my values. And I didn't, I didn't uh, negotiate about about those values. 
it also happened in in, in Sintron with a, a top signing player at the beginning beginning of the of the preseason in the pro league. The, so my third season there, and and he wanted to to he he, he was um, I mean his presence was bad for the was very bad for the team, and he was the risk was that one guy could uh, jeopardize all what we had done in 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 two years. So I was very clear with this guy face to face and with the, with the board about him but i told him look don't 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 come between me and my dream because i will crush you and so th- these were my words with the with uh, with that guy with this new star player and he, he it was it was better and he, he, he played well at the when, when, when the season started just to tell you that i'm a very peaceful person but i i, I will not let anyone uh, stand between me and my dream. I will always, my values will always, will always be stronger. And 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 in my first uh, coaching, my first club was Charleroi. So we avoided the team was just promoted from second to first division to to, to pro league, and and we avoided really after five games before the end of the season we were safe already. And I I as I say, j'ai de remis ma démission. How do you say that? I I I quit. I quit myself yeah. after five games before the end. Because I was my values, I couldn't be myself anymore. I couldn't uh, uh, have my values in this club anymore. So I decided to go. So imagine I was 32. So I started 31. I was 32 when I when I left the club. We just avoided relegation five games before the end. That was a big achievement, and I decided to leave because I was not. Uh, I couldn't be myself anymore. If I wanted to stay, I had to to. Uh, to give up on all, all my values. And I didn't want to do that. So I left and I took the risk and people thought the guy is crazy. No, the guy is not crazy. He's just, he has dreams, he has values. He, he's, he's got, he's got a, uh, a conscience. And, 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 and so I left. And luckily after that, it was, uh, it, uh, it, was, it was a good, I, I saw that it was a good choice. So mm. I'm happy about it. I love that. When you were talking about the senior players, it reminded me of uh, this season with uh, Runa. Um, obviously, I've, I've been looking into how he's getting on at Derby. And I remember at the start of the season, he actually, despite having a points deduction, having a really slim squad, he decided not to go with two of the senior players there because they didn't go against, they went against his values and what he needed for that season. Obviously, a lot of hungry young players who were going to try and keep him up. Um, which is obviously a big call from him. Um, so, you know, some correlations that I find it super impressive that you're able to do that. It's such a high stake with, you know, there's a lot of money on the line as well, like finances and stuff. So it's super yeah. impressive. Yeah. But, but, but I've, I've always been faithful to those values. That's the education that my, that my parents gave me. And so far I've been faithful to those values and to myself and it paid off. Yeah. Because yes, I've had bad moments. I've been sacked already four times. I'm, I'm only 41. I've been sacked four times already. But still, I've had great emotions, great moments, and great success also for my young age. So all, only being faithful to those values. So I would always do that. And 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 now I'm in a position. I'm 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 so fortunate that I earn good money in Saudi Arabia, and I don't have to jump on the first club that comes. Like I I had an offer from a, a club. Uh, a few a few weeks ago, I will not tell the name of the club, but I, I refused the offer of the club because I felt I was not in phase with it, and and now I have the I'm fortunate that I can do that. I don't have to jump on the first club uh, only because I need a contract and stuff. Now I'm okay. I can just I can choose my next uh, my next challenge, and 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 it it must be a club where I can be myself, 
and and this impression of this impression of being myself i had it in my last club in saudi arabia and i hope i will find a new challenge anywhere in the world where i will be myself and where i will be appreciated for who i am mm. i hope that i'm sure you will um just want to touch on this before we move on because you mentioned this during your overview of your career and you've just mentioned it again now about this being sacked as a manager um and you know they forget how, what you've done before and the culture that you're building and after a few bad games you're sacked and I feel like that sort of started to happen I live in Leicester in, in England and you know um, Leicester aren't having the best of seasons and a lot of mm-hmm. um, fans are calling for Rogers, Brendan Rogers, to go out and get sacked even though he's won on the FA Cup last season how do you find that as a manager um, you know that pressure of you know a couple of bad games that you could be out despite all this that you've been building towards? Yeah, there, there is a say uh, in Batman about that. The, the, we, we say a coach is always as good as his last match. So if you have lost the last match, you're so bad. If you have won it, you're so good. So I have accepted this because I have no choice. And that's how people, how, that's how people think. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm a better coach today than two months ago when they sacked me. Because two, in, in two, in, in two months, I said two days, two months ago, sorry. Yeah. Two months ago when they sacked me, I mean, I, I, I read uh, some books. I, I watched some games. So I'm better today than two months ago. And I'm better, I was better two months ago than I was when I won the cup with Standard Liège. So, but people forget that. People don't care that you become better. People think at some point they have to, to I mean, the bold people, they have to give something to the, to the fans. They have to give the head of someone. And no matter what you, what you do as a coach, sometimes you tell the coach, look, in the summer, we should do this, this, and this because I think we are. There is a risk that this, this, and this happens. If if it happens, as you said, a few months later, you got sacked. They will not sack themselves. That's how it is, and I'm I'm cool with it, honestly, because that's how it works. Um, it's uh, that's why I I I say, I say to many coaches, many young coaches, look, when you sign a contract, the most important numbers are not your your your, your salaries. The most important numbers are what are they going to give you when they will sack you? I mean, how much are they going to give you when they will, because they will sack you. When you sign your contract, you sign at the same time your, your, uh, uh, how do you say it? Your, uh, your, your, your sacking papers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your exit contract. I mean, yeah. you don't, but you just don't know when they will give it to you. Yeah. So, no, I have accepted this. And on the human side, it hurts a lot, let's be honest. That's why some coaches, yeah, they get a lot of money when they got sacked because, um, on the human side, it's hard because you do what, what you what you love the most. I mean, in my in my case, I do what I love the most every day, every single day with a lot of passion, with heart, with, with love. And one day they, they decide you stop, you just go, j- just go back home. So it hurts on the human side, but that's the way it is. And you prepare yourself for that. So every every day you think it should, I could be stuck. There are some teams, they are in the top three, and because uh, one game they played with the back three, another back four, and the president is not happy. And one of the advisors of the president told him the coach got sacked. That happens a lot. I mean, you, you, you see sometimes the coach, coaches got, got sacked after being top of the league. But so you, you, have, to, you have to expect it. That's, that's the way it is. Uh, it's hard on the human side, but that's the way it is. So now I'm kind of used to it, unfortunately, four times already. So. What's sort of your process like? 
So you come out of the meeting room, like, how are you feeling and what sort of your process to sort of uh, get over that, get back on your feet? What I mostly do, I have a, I have a, an, an aunt living, who lived in Italy, the, the, the sister of my mom. My mom, are, my mom is from Italy. And so I just go there for one week. And I, 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 she lives uh, in the mountains and I just enjoy being there. It, it, it gives me peace and gives me peace of mind. So I, I go there and then I go on vacation. I've been now since, since I got sucked, I've been to, to Dubai, to Spain, to Italy, twice to Spain. So I just spend my time like that. I go to watch games. I, I, I go to the movie. I like to go to the movie. I love to go to the movie. I don't always have the, the, the chance to, to do all those stuff when, when, when I'm in a job. Uh, I like to play tennis. So I do all the stuff that I don't have the time to do when I'm, when I'm in a job. And it helps me to, 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 go, to go over it. And, and, and I've already, I already focused on the, on the next thing. I, I don't know when or where the next thing will be. But I'm I'm already I'm already preparing myself for that. So it's hard on the human side, but there are many things you can do uh, to process it. So mm-hmm. whereabouts in Italy is that? Because um, I'm going traveling uh, for two weeks uh, in April, so I might be able to uh, check it out. Where, where, where you go? It's if you see Rimini, it's on the on the coast. It's a bit more inside the country. It's one hour inside the country when when you're in Rimini. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sweet. Is that near so you? Sorry? Well, I'm sort of going, so I'm starting in Milan. I'm actually going to the San Siro to watch uh, Interverse AC in the semi-final. But then I'm working my way down um, and I'm going to finish in Amalfi Coast in Naples, uh, near Naples. So that's where we're going to sort of um, settle for a bit. But yeah, we're going like Cinque Terre, um, Rome, you know, that sort of side. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. What you could do is doing this, Cinque Terre, Rome, uh, Amalfi Coast, yeah. then crossing Italy. And going, going up through through on the other coast, maybe, and going also yeah. inside in in uh, in Firenze. Yeah, when yeah, you, yeah. I'm going, if you I'm have going the chance, Florence. I'm going Florence. Yeah, Florence. Yeah. yeah. So these are no, it's 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 great. Italy, it's, it's just great. Like my 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 dad is from Spain, my mom from Italy, so I have both backgrounds, and I I, I love those two countries really. Yeah, yeah. not bad and places. Don't, don't yeah. eat too much. Pizzas are just great. Pizza and pizza are just great. So be ready. Yeah, be ready wait. to get some to get some food. weight. Yeah. This might be a lie, but I swear I heard someone say that in Italy they make people pay like a lot of money if there's pineapple on the pizza or something. I don't know if this is a myth or like... they don't make people pay, but if you ask pineapples on your pizza, they will they will ask you what the fuck. So, <laughs> I swear, so, I swear as yeah. well. It's such an insult to them when like you use tomato ketchup or something. Like... Yeah, but what I have seen already was I saw already someone putting mayonnaise on the pizza. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, okay, you don't want pineapples, but you want mayonnaise. So on, on the other side, it's not, not, not yeah, better, yeah. right? But no, uh, no pineapples yeah, better. You shouldn't go to the UK then because uh, it, it seems to be a tradition and having a dip next to your pizza, isn't it? Yeah, in the UK? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been garlic mayo. Yeah. I've been a lot of time to the UK. I was in London la- la- last week, by the way. But no, uh, yeah, they shouldn't put pineapples on the pizza. That's no, not, no, no, there's no, no respect for the pizza. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But um, no, yeah, just going back to to kind of your career. So you mentioned Underleg. So how was that kind of experience? Um, you know, coaching the younger lads um, in such a great academy. Great. What was great is that like you had the best of the country. I mean, yeah. at the time. I mean, now I think that Bruges Academy, um, Genk Academy are really becoming good. But 
I, I don't know if Anderlecht is still the best academy now, but it was at the time. I mean, we had, uh, I mean, all, almost there are many, many players playing in the pro league now or in, in, in the international, Belgian national team who were in the youth of Anderlecht. So mm-hmm. it was um, so nice. Like we, the accent was, I mean, I, I, I really was myself there because the accent was put on, you have the children and until March, and I mean, I mean, from September to March, uh, during the league, it's about teaching them, coaching them, m- making them better, no, no, no matter the result. From between March and May, international tournaments, we, w- we went for the win. So I was really finding myself like a few months only learning, learning, le- teaching the kids and after going for the win. So it was a good, a good mixture. And I, find my, I found myself re- really, really good there because I've all, I'm also a PE teacher, PE teacher. So I, I always want to give, want to teach uh, kids. And it was great. Like all the names I, I, I said in the intro, it was uh, great working with those guys. And I have some anecdotes with, 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 those, with those guys. It's just, just incredible. You could, you could feel, you could see that some of them, when they were 10, 11 years old or 14 years old, they were going to be great players. Not only good players, great players. You could see it. Like, I remember there is one thing. I mean, I didn't mention Musanda, Charlie Musanda in the intro, but I had him also in Anderlecht. Um, I remember we, we, ha- we had a tournament, international tournament. And we, you know, it's on, you play on it, during two days. You play small games like two times, 20 minutes or something. And it was before the final. So we played the final against Olympique Lyon. We had beaten already already AS Rome or Inter Milan. I don't remember all those big teams. We played against Olympique Lyonnais, the final. And just before the final, you know, you don't really warm up like you do before a game because they played already three games in the in the season. So in the in the day, so it's more like we had we have one part of a of a, of a pitch, all other kids are playing on the pitch, and we we just everyone has a ball and they can give passes and stuff. And Musonda, he was alone on the pitch mm-hmm. with the ball. He was like he was like doing doing some tricks, and sometimes he was stopping. He was doing this, and then and then that kind of stuff, and then again with the ball, and then stopping again and doing that kind of things. And I was thinking, he's gonna smash them. He's gonna kill them during the final, and he did. We, we yeah. won the tournament. He he smashed he smashed them. So you could see you could see there already. My idea was in this moment, he will become a top five player in the world. Now that was the next Iniesta, really. And honestly, it's, it can seem it can seem crazy. I still have hope. He's been really unfortunate with all those injuries, but I still have hope that he will finally show the world his, his real potential. So I hope it will happen in the next in the next few, few years. Now we, I think it's 24, 25. Yeah. So I hope it will it will happen. It's, it's 25 now. Yeah. Um, and I have another one with, with Lukaku. Uh, he was he had just turned 16. And uh, he had just played his first minutes with the first team. And it was in the, in the like, to, to decide who would be champion, it was a, a, a playoff match against between Anderlecht and Standard de Liège, home and away. And he played his first minutes in this match. Standard won, won it, and Standard has been uh, finished champion this year. And um, it was in 2008 or something like that, 2009, I don't remember. And a few days later, we had a training session with the, we, we called it Purple Academy. We had kids between 12 and 18. We mixed the groups and they trained together. And we had the match, L- L- Romelu Lukaku was there. And so there was a mixed team, like he played with some uh, under 18 and under 12, it was a mixed team. And when he was scoring goals, 
he was so happy running everywhere and like doing doing ah, like you could see like he loved to play he loved to score no matter that he that he scored against against uh under 12 players or <laughs> against uh, the first team of standard yeah he didn't care he just loved to play and loved to score so you could see already before that already but you, you could see this guy has something special we might some people might like him or not but he was special already and you you you, you could see it like musonda was 10 or 11 years old he was special lukaku he was special those guys yeah. were special you could you, you could see it so it was great for me i mean i think they gave me more than i gave them uh, i'm 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 very proud that i maybe gave them 1% of what they are or what they have but i think they gave me more than what they, than what i gave them yeah talking about these like huge players and obviously you spoke there about Lukaku's love for the game rather than uh, just technical ability you know what did these players have uh, or what do you look for in an academy psychologically from players like psychologically what do you think they had to take them to the professional game um Musonda was incredibly skillful technically incredible another level and what he also had was a he could scan pretty quick like without teaching him i mean with, there are some players you have to tell them all their life take information around you before you get the ball he did it without you telling anything so um that was the probably the 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 reason the reasons why he became professional lukaku was just a scoring machine so powerful such a powerful shot and so i think that an academy should not want all their players to be the same like if you have a lukaku you cannot ask Lukaku to become uh, 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 a kind of Benzema uh, striker. You must, uh, you know, Lukaku is a scoring machine. Let's make sure this machine becomes stronger. Don't try to change. Don't try to change his style. And it's the same for, it's the same for uh, for uh, Musonda. He was a kind of player. I mean, don't try to change his play. Don't try to make from him. Uh, oh, maybe he can play striker, or maybe he can play uh, lower, or maybe he can play on the wing. He's a he's a, a free player. Let's let let him be. Just use. I mean, um, you have to to try to capitalize on his skills. Don't try to give him what he will never be good at. Try to reinforce what he's already good at. That's and that's what Anderlecht has done with so many young talented players. And that's why so they 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 earn so much money selling all those those players after a few years. Tiedemans, Dendonker, and all those guys. Yeah. Did they have any other maybe qualities like communication or um, like communication? Yeah, leadership skills. They were leaders. Yeah, yeah, definitely they were leaders. I mean, they didn't have to 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 speak a lot. They were leaders, and I remember some games once again. Musanda, I I had him a lot in individual training sessions, but I had him in my team when I was coaching the under twelve team. Mm. Sometimes before the game, he was like they were huddling, and he was like. Play, talking as a coach like he was an adult in a in an 11 11 years old body and and he had that I, I never teach teach him how to be how to be a leader he was a leader uh, same for Lukaku Lukaku was a, was a leader also okay he was taller and he has a bigger voice and stuff but he was he was the leader uh, I mean that was that was in them and they when they spoke no one no one else spoke they were just listening and and if they said okay let's play like that let's give our be- let's do our best today you could be sure you won the game because everyone did their best they had that yes yeah 
what what do you think allowed them to ha- like have these qualities so do you think it was something within them or was it the environment so like the coach like you know the kind of philosophy of Anderlecht and you know your coaching stuff did you think you kind of allowed that for them, yeah, for them to I, develop I think, that side or first of all it's something you must have in you I mean mm-hmm. if you're not a leader you will never be one yeah you can read books you can become uh, a less less worse leader but you will never be a good leader and a part of that I mean, I don't. They had coaches, not only me, but they had they had several coaches in Anderlecht. They let them be who they are. So if I mean, I, I'm giving a coaching session. If a player tells me, "Coach, I really think this or this should be better," okay, feel free to speak. And they never had coaches telling them, "You should have I'm the coach," and 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 it's very important. So from the young age, they knew they had a platform to speak, and and uh, and and they have always been. Uh, yeah, allowed to speak and to 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 tell their opinion, mm-hmm. which is which is incredibly important. If you don't give that opportunity to a kid, he will maybe stay quiet for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. and and the leadership that he has in him will never come out. Mm-hmm. We have um we have some academy players like listening to this podcast, and what are some qualities like psychologically would you look for in academy players? Like what? what would be some advice you would give to these players to try and develop, to, to take them to the next level? Would you say should, that they should work say, on? Yeah. The, the, the main thing that everyone says, I will, I will not repeat it again. Like you have to work a lot. Yeah. You have to work a lot, mm-hmm. but you have to be, you have to be, to be patient and you have to, to keep believing in yourself because if when you're 14, you're not good enough and, and they, 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 they make you leave the club. Maybe you will go to another club. You will feel you will feel accepted, and you will show who you really are. So be 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 patient. Uh, it, you're never as bad as they say you are, and you're never as good as they say you are. So just keep uh, having faith in yourself, and 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 never you, you can never be satisfied. Mm-hmm. Always wanting more, wanting more. That's if they follow those advices, it's already a lot to follow. Mm-hmm. yeah okay so let's fast forward now to your time in Saudi Arabia so I know it's like a huge step but um how was that um I know you had some previous experience already with uh, Michel Prudhomme um yeah. but how was that kind of how, like taking on that role as a as a manager this time instead of as an assistant um in Al-Fatih? it was it was really nice you know it was uh, i mean i signed there in october 2019 i signed a contract for 7 months until the end of may until the end of the league with one objective uh, saving saving the team and avoiding relegation so i took three assistants with me and and we, we said okay let's we go there on a mission yes it's not the best or the easiest uh, country to adapt because it's very different to what we have known but let's go there on a mission and after after a few weeks, we were thinking, we are not only on a mission; we feel good here. It would be nice to save the team and to stay longer. And uh, then in March, uh, there was the the COVID outbreak, and we had to stop the league. So we stayed one month there without any training. Um, and then between April, so after one month, we came back to to Belgium, and for two and a half months we stayed here. We didn't know if the league would be finished, would be ended or not. So. The league had to continue. We had eight more matches to play, so we mm-hmm. went back there at the end of June. Uh, we had a full preseason of six of six weeks to play the last eight matches in five weeks. At the at the after seven matches, so one match before the end, we avoided relegation officially. 
So we we played one last match just just for the fun, and after that match we signed new new deals for two years. So we extended our our stay there, and uh, the so the next season uh, was really great. So our second season there we finished seventh, which is a big achievement for this club. We changed the way of playing because in Saudi it's many teams like to to wait they stay uh, back in compact block, low or medium block, pretty compact and no high press and and we i was i became a fan of bielsa to be honest mm-hmm. in in like two years ago and i was thinking you know what if we play like that if we press high if we play vertical if we if we just go for it if we dare to play sometimes to defend sometimes man on man full pitch why not and we had a lot of success with it we we beat all minimum one time all the big teams of the country uh we reached the semi-final of the of the king's cup last last year and uh, this year, so at the end of the last season, I was t- saying to the president already, look, I think if we want to keep continue to keep playing like that, we have to take two or three new players for this, this and this position because we feel that they start to get to be tired. They, they, they are now, okay, they know what I will tell them. And, and, and so let's try to refresh it. We didn't do it as we should have done. And, and, and we had some problems. Um, and we, the results were good. We started very well, and the, then the results were bad. There was COVID. We for one game we had 17 COVID cases, and we, but we yeah. had to play. The, the game couldn't be couldn't be postponed. So we played with kids. I mean, there was a kid I remember asking him before the match, "Yeah, but uh, what's your name again?" Like I did some kids mm-hmm. I didn't know. They came from under 17 team. So um, we at the end of this period. Uh, it was bad and stuff, and so they decided they decided to sack us. So, um, but for the rest, great adventure, big change, big cultural change. But uh, but yeah, so so nice. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You said turn that, on the light. Maybe the yeah, light. Go ahead. I just yeah. turn on the light. It's better like that. Yeah, it's uh, interesting so, you said that about Bielsa because I was I was going to bring that up earlier, but I didn't know whether because he'd just been sacked. It was a bit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he was like when you mentioned going for it and things like that. It's it reminded me so much of uh, how Bielsa was at Leeds, especially when you mentioned yeah. when you got into the Pro League because obviously he did that with Leeds, and you know he always got applauded for him constantly going for it, no matter who he was playing against. He'd always attackers. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I was going to mention that earlier, but I didn't get a chance. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's not always easy to be to stay faithful to your ideas. He did, and he knew the risk. He knew the risk. He knew he, he might get sacked. But honestly, he hasn't been helped with all the injuries that uh, that they had in Leeds. So that's probably one of the reasons why they didn't uh, they didn't win a lot of games this season. Now yeah. I'm happy for them that are doing doing well. They did well in the last match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of you mentioned those cultural differences, you know, what were the main ones that stood out to you? And, you know, how did you manage or cope with this? Food and sleep. <laughs> OK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they, they don't they, they go to they, they live in a in different time frame, like uh, because of the heat, of course, it's not that heat. Uh, that hot in the in the in the night. So it's like I think it's a cultural thing. Uh, they, they 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 live at night almost, and okay. and they, they and they, and they I mean they when they say they mostly the the, the day of a player is um, we we train mostly at six seven uh, p.m. because because of the heat during the day. So at five thirty six 
the sun is the sun is down it's it's dark so you can you lose already a few degrees so you so it's better to train and so uh, they train and we train like then they they go home they do whatever they want and there is a the last or the first prayer of the day is at around 4:30 in the morning so a lot of them they wait for this prayer to pray and they go to sleep after that so of course when you go to sleep around 5 6 a.m. you you wake up at uh, at at 3 or 4 p.m. Just before training, so actually that was the the kind of of life that many players had, and honestly we took that kind of life too. I mean, I went, I I went to bed. It was three four o'clock. I didn't pray, but I went to bed. It was two three four o'clock in the in in the morning. So you wake up a bit, you wake up a bit a bit later, and uh, and about the food. So we 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 always try to to. I mean, we didn't try. We did it when we were in the in the hotel in, in in on camp before the the night before the match, for example. We we give them good meals, of course. But once it's uh, midnight or one o'clock, you're in your room as a coach. You don't know what they do, and they order some uh, some fast food from outside, and 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 people deliver them fast food, and they eat whatever. But all, not only my players, many players did it. So we were like it was equal. Everyone yeah. did it, so we 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 were all equal about that. So that was the biggest uh, cultural change for me. I mean, in terms of, of my with my footballers, I would say. But it's more like I. It was more like I smiled about it, and I was not. Sometimes you get angry about it, and then they told you, "Yeah, but coach, everyone does it anyway. All the teams do it." So you think, "Okay, let's be calm." So I learned to be more patient. I learned a lot uh, to, to be to be more patient because that's how it is. And you, if you arrive there. As a, uh, as a, to saying I know I have the truth. The truth, you are just you are lower. You will do as I say. You are dead after three weeks. So that was not our approach. We we want to give them some um, some uh, discipline that they didn't have, mostly on the pitch, but we were also cool on the other side, accepting that we were in a different culture that they didn't have the same background in term in term of education and football education. So it, it was okay. I mean, sometimes you get nervous because you want to get nervous, but it doesn't help. So we, we accepted this and we just tried to be disciplined in something like on the pitch, uh, no, no negotiations. If we say we run hard, then we run hard. And that was the case. We tried to explain them, look, if you want to, to follow every training session, if you, if you don't want to get injured at this rhythm because the rhythm and the demanding level was high, then you'd better eat well and, and sleep well. Some of them did, other, others didn't, but that's how it is like in, in every club, I think. Mm. And uh, what about in terms of the language? Um, I saw in, in, in one video you were giving like, a, I think it was a pre-match uh, kind of speech and there was a translator next to you. How was that, like, how was that kind of di- dynamic? Was it kind of strange at first to kind of adapt, like, because you're saying yeah. something and you have to wait, and you know it's, it's at the beginning. It's, yeah. it, it's strange at the beginning, and then after you, it's but it. I find it. I found it nice because you can say something. Mm-hmm. You can you cannot speak for two minutes because it's translated. Cannot remind everything. So you speak like you say two or three sentences mm. during the time that he translates. You can think about your next thing, and that's that's good sometimes. Yeah. Um, so that was nice, and also when you start to work with with a translator. He must uh, get used to you, so he must learn how what you mean. And when you get up with your voice, he must get up too. So he must he, he, he must uh, he Mimic. must know 
that, that yeah that when you get angry he, he must get angry too he cannot yeah. when you're 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 you're, you're angry he cannot be like a, uh to have a, a, the same tone he must yeah. like go up in, in his voice too and uh, but we had a great one a great translator very intelligent guy he was also a physical coach so he helped us he helped our our uh, uh sports scientist head of sports science he, he helped him a lot um you can ask glenn we, yeah. i know glenn came to the show a few months ago yeah. and uh yeah he was a really great guy so we were very fortunate to have him but it was it was good like at the beginning you don't have the, the reflex you, sometimes you speak for one minute you say oh fuck you must translate all this then you you start to, to realize no no let's two or three sentences yeah i think it's good in a way because like overloading players with information is sometimes not the best approach isn't it so have, yeah. having these quick cues these quick like kind of messages is, yeah, is yeah. sometimes useful um, yeah, that's also something I, I I learned there. Like, that's that that has always been one of my weaknesses or one one of my points to improve. Like, I want to know everything about the opponent. I I want to know everything about football, and I know a lot about football, but I cannot put everything I know in one hour uh, in the head of a player. So I have mm. to learn to be to give one element one day, another element another day, and 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 uh, I mean being in Saudi. With, with with players who didn't have the football background that we know in Europe, um, help me to to realize. Okay, you have many things to say and to and to give, but let's do it step by step. Let's not give everything in 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 just in, just like that because they will not remind anything of it anyway. Mm. Yeah, we, we mentioned Glenn there, so shout out to Glenn. But um, <laughs> my kind of question was, um, so you know when you bring your team of uh, like assistant coaches, head of sports science. Is it usually all the like the same um, staff members, or do you mix it up a bit? Try, try like and and also, what do you prioritize when selecting these members of staff for you? What is important for you? Well, we, we first of all, the people you bring, they must share your philosophy, and they must share the your values and your your football football philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, being a good man is more important than being a good coach. So all the people I bring somewhere. I, I know they are good men and they will not uh, betray me and they will not, no one in the club will tell me you, you brought to us a bad guy or, or a bad person. So, that, that, so that's very important. And when I, so from my staff that I had in, uh, in Sintroden that I brought, I had no one because no one was available to leave on such yeah. short notice in October, 2019. So, but I took one, a goalkeeper coach that I, that I, that there was in my staff in Mechelen. So when I arrived in Mechelen, he was already there. Uh, he was a uh, Lazic, a former goalkeeper of Lokeren in, in, in a pro league in Belgium. And so I took him to, in, to Saudi with me. And I already took uh, one Spanish guy that had never worked with me, an assistant coach, but I knew him. We spoke a lot and we shared the same, the same, the same ideas. So I took him with me and he knew another Spanish physical coach who would be available to come right now. So I, I went with those three guys. So... I had never worked with two of them and I didn't know one of them. Um, after two months, we brought one more uh, guy and a video analyst, also a Spanish guy that I didn't know, but that my assistant knew. So we had three Spanish, one Serbian and, me, and myself in the, in the staff. Um, and then the second year, um, that as the assistant and the physical coach left. So we brought one more, uh, one more analyst. The analyst became, became uh, assistant we brought a new analyst, French guy, 
we brought uh, head of sports science. The guy I had in Sintroden, he came, my friend mm-hmm. uh, from Belgium. Uh, and then the year, then after a few months in the second season, we brought Glenn. And then after we brought one more assistant. So we were seven. We left with seven. So we arrived, we arrived with four and we left, we got sacked with seven. So mm-hmm. me plus six. So that's, uh, it's very nice. Uh, to be to be allowed to work with your people as many as you want, you know. In terms of budget, it's not like in Belgium. In Belgium, if you say to a club, "I want to bring one more person," they say, "Oh yeah, but I can only pay him that amount because of my budget." In Saudi, you you, you say, "Okay, president, I think we should bring one more guy." He thinks about it. They they, they don't say yes to everything, but they 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 they, they thought, "Okay, can be good for the team." Okay, let's bring him. And so it was very nice because we had all the people. Uh, uh, sending the same message to the players, going going in the same dire- in, in the same direction, and it was very important to 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 reach success. So it was a very nice experience, and I hope in the future I will be allowed again uh, to work with my with my people. But I I'm also aware I'm not Guardiola. I cannot arrive somewhere and say it's me plus five, or yeah. you or you or, 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 or we don't come. Mm. I will have to adapt uh, also to the to the type type of club who who will hire me. Mm. Just mentioning your staff there, have you ever had any encounters with, you know, what we are, sports psychologists? Have you ever had an encounter with a sports psychologist? Yes, I did. In 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 Sintroden, we had one guy, David Gibas, oh, who yeah. is, is English, by the way, is English-Belgian, yeah. by the way. Uh, he worked with us in Sintroden. Um, he worked actually for the, for also, he worked for Standard de Liège in mm-hmm. Belgium. He worked for Union Saint-Gilloise, which is now top of the Pro League. Um, and we worked with him. Uh, that was collectively. I worked with with him. Me personally, uh, I already worked with with several uh, mental coaches for myself. Uh, I, I worked already with three uh, different ones mm-hmm. and different approaches. And I, I I received something from from all of them. So it was uh, it was uh, it was interesting interesting interesting. Sorry, also for me to 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 get better or to to learn how to approach things differently in, in times of pressure, because you know, you are, when everything is going well, uh, you're cool. When things are not going well, you see, you, you, when you win a game, all the players who don't play, they, they stay quiet. When you lose a game, all the players who don't play, they see a small opening and they try to come in. So you have to, 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 to learn how to manage this and, uh, and working with, uh, with mental coaches, and getting better myself helped me to 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 manage those those kind of situations. Now, just to to also, it's next week. I will have two days of uh, of uh, like formation with one mental coach. The last one I worked with is called François Dutry, uh, and he will uh, he will teach me during two days how to manage some situations. Uh, I filled in uh, so, some questions yesterday. My staff too. We sent everything to him, and according to that. We will work on some things that will make me a better coach or a better manager, I would say. So I, I like that that approach. I think I can only always get better. And and uh, and I think that this role of mental coach um, is not in Belgium is not uh, very known yet, but I think it's very important. But once again, this guy cannot be someone from outside just coming and talking sometimes 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 to the players. He must be part of the staff, part of the club. Uh, and, and he must also share the same values that, that, that the staff and the club have. So um, I really believe in that. And in, in the future, uh, if I really uh, 
uh, reach the level I, I, I would love to reach, maybe I will be allowed to bring uh, that position in my staff too. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that you put an emphasis on developing yourself. Um, I think um, we talk a lot about the the influence sports psychologists can have on the players, but in fact, they can help, you know, managers, head coaches. Um, so it's really interesting. And also being a part of the team, I think for them to be a part of the team is so important. Like for them coming in and out, I don't think it can, it, you can't really have a true impact, I, I believe. Um, it's more of like yeah. a consultant role. It's like you're here yeah. and out. Being a part of the team, understanding the, the players, the staff, um, being in that environment, I, I definitely think it's hugely beneficial. But it depends on what the club's ambitions are, obviously. And, uh, you know. But I think that one thing that should help would be you, you hire a coach with his staff and you don't, you, you, you don't mention he's a, he's a mental coach. You just mentioned he's one of my staff. And this guy must also be on the pitch. Even yeah. if he doesn't take any part of the session, he can be on the pitch to observe some behaviors and, and it can be very, very interesting. And the players don't need to know that he, he's a psychologist or, or, or a mental coach. Uh, so, so, and sometimes he can take players apart and talk to them and, and uh, it can be uh, brought this way. And being brought this way, the player will not have the impression that he has a problem because, you know, many players, they think, yeah, but if I have to talk to a mental coach, it means I have a problem. No, it doesn't. That's how uh, society wants you to think, but that's not how it is. So um, I think we should bring it differently. If we bring it differently, uh, it, it could become more common. Yeah, I think you're completely right. And I think the term psychologist itself has a huge stigma, doesn't it? And I think for players, it can be quite scary. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's why we use mental coach, because if you yeah. say psychologist, even worse, psychi psychiatrist. Psychiatrist, or, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, they, they, yeah. They don't want to hear they about shut it. Down. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting approach, actually. Um, yeah. No, but I, lo I love the, obviously, you value it. I find that um, super, you know, good for us in terms of, <laughs> in terms of what we want to do as well. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, in terms of sort of a final question, um, you know, what are your future ambitions and aspirations as, as a coach and a manager? What are your sort of future steps? What would you like to achieve? Yeah, first of all, I don't know anything where, I don't know at all where I will be uh, and when I will be there. Um, but I'm, I'm open to, to, to many countries, many challenges. I speak five languages, so I'm, I can adapt uh, almost everywhere. Um, and I, I, I know what I, what I would like to reach in terms of level. I would like to reach the top world level. That means Champions League. I would like to reach that. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that, yeah, the most important is that in my next challenge, in my next club, I can just be myself. And if I can be myself, then I have a chance to, 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 to feel good. If I feel good, I think the results will be good because I will bring my message in a better way to, to, to the players. So the, my ambition now is to find a club where I can be myself and where I don't have to act, where I just can be myself, where I'm, I'm appreciated and loved for who I am with my good and my, and my, and my bad uh, points. Um, so that's, that's my ambition right now. Where will it be? When will it be? I don't know. Uh, once again, I'm not, I'm not in a hurry. Of course, I would like to coach yesterday, but um, I will not do, I will not take any stupid decision. I mean, I have time to, I have time to, to, to take a, to take the good decision, but yeah, uh, in terms of ambitions, Champions League, and in terms of what, what I need to reach that and, 
it's to be myself, to be accept, accepted for who I am. That, that's important. Mm. Based off this podcast, you need to uh, apply for the Man U job and, and get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not from the Red Bull family. I, th- I think it's tough to, to get there when you're not yeah. from the Red Bull family. So. Yeah, true, true. But yeah. I, wish them, I wish them the best. I saw them, by the way, live because I have to give commentaries for the, for the match uh, live in Atletico Madrid, uh, Man United. I, I was there in, in the stadium. I was there for, as well. I, I went to the old traffic game. Damn. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, it was. Uh, it's, ah, it's, it's, it's not nice to see them like that. I mean, you expect more from 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 United. So, yeah, let's hope they will they will improve. I think Atletico was one of the most difficult draws we could have got. I, I think I would have rather have had PSG. No, yeah, Simeone is such a difficult manager to play against. Yeah, it's a great one. I mean, I, I said about Bielsa, but uh, Bielsa, Simeone, they are so different, but they are two. My two, my two models, I would say. Yeah. Right now, it, it will change again, probably. But <laughs> it, it, it started with Mourinho, then it was Guardiola, then oh. Club. Now it's Bielsa and Simeone. Yeah. I love that. Uh, but no, yeah, they were all the questions we had for you. So uh, thanks so much for coming on. It's been uh, one of my, my favorite pleasure. podcasts that I've recorded. Uh, <laughs> Thank like, you. You know, a lot, a lot of my friends uh, they pick and choose which episodes they t- uh, listen to, and uh, I'm definitely going to recommend this one because it's been uh, honestly a pleasure talking to you uh, about Thank your experiences. You. It's been uh, it's been unreal to listen to. So yeah, thanks so thanks much. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So yeah, um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. You could please share this with your friends or someone you would feel will benefit from it. Most importantly, like, subscribe, comment down below any questions or guests you'd like us to get on in the future. Also, go follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Links will be in the description of the YouTube video or find us at Master in the Mind podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.